have missed the last couple of weeks, um, we're in week three of this series we're calling Selfless. And we're doing this because we live in a very self-centered and very selfish culture. And we are talking about how we can live in a countercultural way and go against the stream in a culture that really emphasizes uh, and idolizes self to the exclusion of others. I mean, it's all about me, right? It's all about what happens with me. So we're talking about ways that we can become less selfish and more selfless, how we can focus less on ourselves and more of others. And we talked about, you know, uh, Matthew 16, 24, in which Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple, (coughs) we're not talking about just believing in Jesus, said whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. And with that, there is a laying down of self and there is a sacrifice that comes in in being a disciple of Jesus. A disciple is one who learns the ways and walks with another and becomes like them, does the things that they do. It's not just sitting down taking notes. It's one who does the things that the discipler does. And and so we look at Jesus as our model. Now, we began in week one talking about how we can be selfless by being bold in our witness. In spite of a a culture that pressures us and tells us that faith is something to be kept to ourselves, it's something private, it's something personal, don't talk about it, it's fine if you have it for yourself, but... You know, this idea of telling others and, and, and trying to convert others and so forth and sharing it, it's, you know, that's, that, that's not right. It should be, our culture fills us with that message, tells us to keep it to ourselves. And, you know, and, and instead of keeping it to, to ourselves, we are selfless when we risk rejection, we risk ridicule or even worse, you know, persecution even. Uh, to share Jesus in a self-absorbed world, saying, hey, I know a better way. I know a better way, and his name is Jesus. And sharing him in a, in a self-absorbed world where, uh, uh, and, and, and you know, when we think about that, and I got to thinking as I was working on this, I thought, where would I be if somebody hadn't shared Jesus with me? I would not be in a good place, I guarantee you that, because I was the trajectory of my life was, it was headed downhill, and it was, it was going there fast. But somebody shared Jesus, and it, and it made all the difference in the world. Where would you be if somebody hadn't shared Jesus? Where would you be if somebody, if, if they just kept their faith to themselves like our society tells us to? Where would you be? And then last week we talked about being selfless through serving others. You know, when we serve others, it's by definition a very selfless act. We're putting others ahead of yourself. We're putting other need, others' needs ahead of our own needs and so forth. It's a very selfless act. We talked about three ways we can be faithful in, in, in serving others. So, so, so far in the first couple of weeks, we've talked about being bold in our witness. We've talked about being faithful in our service. Today, we're going to be talking about being extravagant in our generosity. 
It's another way that we can be selfless is to be extravagant in our generosity. Listen to what the writer of Proverbs says in Proverbs 21, verses 25 and 26. The desire of the sluggard, that's the the lazy, selfish person, the desire of the sluggard kills him for his hands refuse to labor. All day long he craves and craves. But the righteous, what's it say about the righteous? But the righteous gives and does not hold back. The righteous person gives and does not hold back. Here's what we need to talk we need to understand. We talk about generosity. So much of the time we focus on, we say, you know, look at what we have and then give some of it to someone else. Look at what we have and give it to someone else. And we focus so much on, on, on what we have, you know, and, and, or what we don't have. You know, if only I had more money or if only I had, you know, more of this or more of that, then I could really be generous. I would love to be able to give liberally whenever I saw, saw a need. You know, I, what, what is it that people, you know, Christians say, you know, boy, you know, if I ever run the, won the lottery, not that we gamble, but if I ever won the lottery, you know, first thing I'd do is I'd give this much, to, you know, I, I, I'd give away all this money, you know, baloney. Who of us would do that first thing? We would like to think we would, but the temptation to just hold on to it and say, oh, I don't know, maybe a little bit here, maybe a little bit there would be so great. Can we be honest this morning? Would the first thing we would think about, would, be, would it be giving it or would it just be, you know, sure, I'll give some after I, let's see, I've been wanting a new car. Mine's been, you know, it had a flat tire the other day, so it's worn out. Um, a new TV, you know, 60 inches and big enough. I want it to cover the whole wall. Oh, and I got to have a sound system with, I mean, all these things. Oh, and I got to have the new phone. I mean, yeah, mine makes calls and takes pictures and it's my calendar and everything else, but it's not as good as a new one out. I mean, we, 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 we think about all the things, all, all, all those kinds of things. You know, we think, you know, I, I, I would love to be able to give liberally if only I had a little bit more. But we need to understand something about generosity. Generosity has very little to do with what we have. Very little to do with what we have. It has everything to do with the attitude of the heart. Think about it. Some of the most generous people I know have been, one, have been people with the least to give. Some of the most generous people I know have been ones that, that with, with the, the very least. Not always, but some of the time. See, generosity is not dependent on how much or how little a person has. It has to do with how tightly we hold on to what we have or how open our hands and our heart are. You can be a very generous person. Without having anything at all in the bank. <clears throat> One time, shortly after we moved to Bloomington, 
Um, <clears throat> got home from work, walked in the kitchen, and there's Lisa sitting there with another lady in the church and someone else that had visited a couple of times. And there was all this produce on the table. I remember there were grapes specifically, and there was you know, fruit and some vegetables, all this produce on the table. And this lady had brought it over to share it with us. She knew I was you know, pastoring the church. She brought it over to share it with us. And I was so happy. I walked in, and I'm, I'm like, hey, what? I, know, I knew we didn't buy it. We didn't have a whole lot of money. I knew we didn't buy it. And so we're sitting there talking, and I'm sitting there, you know, popping grapes in my mouth and eating them. And then uh, visited for a while. Then the ladies left, and uh, Lisa told me that she wanted to bring over, this lady had been dumpster diving, and wanted to bring over some of her food to share because she wanted to share it. She wanted to share some of what she, she, she didn't have any money. She didn't have money for food. So she went behind a grocery store and, and took food out of the dumper and the first thought, uh, dumpster. And first thought she had was to share it. So she brought it over. That's why I remember grapes in particular. I'm not sure what else was in there. Might have been some carrots and other stuff. But I remember grapes because I remember I was, you know, you know, you just can't eat just one. You just pop those in your mouth and just keep on eating them. I didn't even wash them first. I just, you know. But that lady was generous. She didn't have anything to give. But it was the attitude of her heart. It has to do with, not with how much or little a person has, but how tightly we hold on or how open our hands are and our heart. It's all about the heart. When it comes to generosity, when it comes to giving, when it comes to finances in general, there's generally three mindsets that people have, three ways of thinking that we approach our finances, our money, our, gen our giving, our generosity. The first of these is the mindset of the bag. Now, the bag mindset says this, there's never enough. There is never enough, and it's a poverty mindset. It's, it's always sees lack. It sees scarcity. It sees what it doesn't have. And if you'll think back to a study we did in the book of Haggai uh, a while back, you remember that when the Israelites returned from years of being in exile, they'd been in exile for years, they went back to, the, uh, 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 back to Israel, back to Jerusalem, and uh, after years, and they were supposed to go back, and the instruction was rebuild the city walls and rebuild the temple. So there they were. They were you know, supposed to be building the temple, but instead they didn't build it as they were instructed to. They, they, they instead built their own houses, and, and they were here they were living in nice, luxurious homes while the temple laid in ruins. They'd put themselves above and in front of God. Instead of God first and taking care of building the temple and then their homes, they put themselves first. They put their own lives in comfort first. And God was farther down the list. And this is the result, if you remember. We, we talked about this. In Haggai 1.6, the Lord said, You eat, 
but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one's warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them in a bag with holes. A bag with holes in it. Oh, we, we, you know, God is not our priority. We, you know, th- th- this is honestly where, where so many Americans live. Because God is not the priority of this country. And we are the most prosperous country in the world, but we never have enough. Because God's not the priority, so we keep filling the bag only to lose it, what we put into it, out holes in the bottom. We never seem to get ahead. We never prosper by not putting God first. Whether it's money or any other area of our life, it could be money, it can be relationships, it could be anything. We never prosper when we fail to put God first. We never prosper when we put ourselves ahead of God. But when we put God first in every area, He takes care of us. Matthew 6.33, you can write down the reference, it's not in your notes, but it says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and He will give you everything you need. Now, how many like to quote that verse? Let's be honest. How many of us like to quote that verse? Anybody? Anybody awake? Okay, we got a couple. Couple know that verse, like to quote it. It's a nice verse to quote, but the thing is, we like to focus on the last part. And God says, you know, where, where, where God says, you know, where, you know, says He'll give you all that we need. We like to focus on the last part. That's a promise, and that's true. But it's true when we seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. That's when that promise kicks in. The second mindset is this. First one's a bag, second one is the basket. And the basket mindset says, there is enough. It says, there's enough. And the, 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 the picture for this, the, the illustration was that, that, that would have connected with the original audience that Jesus was speaking with was when the farmer would, uh, uh, farmers would go out and the workers of the field would go and harvest their grain harvest the crops or harvest the, the grapes or whatever. They would use baskets, and they would pull the stalks of grain or, or, or the grapes, whatever. they put them in a basket. And, and, you know, as they go through the field, they keep putting the, ba- you know, the, the, the grain in the baskets. And they were told, you know, don't grab every single grain, but let some spill on the ground. Let some of it fall on the ground. Let some of it, you know, uh, 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 flow over the basket and the reason for that it was provision for those who were poor they were allowed to come in with their baskets they were allowed to come in and glean from what was spilled on the ground glean what was left and that so that they would have enough that's the picture here with when when we're talking about the basket uh, uh, and do, uh, and the idea is there actually is enough. Look at Deuteronomy 28. It says, you will experience these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. And it says in verse 5, it's going through all these blessings in this chapter. Your fruit baskets and breadboards will be blessed. Saying when you put God first, your fruit baskets, your headboards will be blessed. In other words, there will be enough. There will be enough. 
This is what Jesus said in the Gospel of Luke 6.38. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together, running over will be poured into your lap. You know what I've found? Generous people always seem to have enough. When somebody lives a lifestyle of giving, a lifestyle of generosity, there always seems to be enough. And it may not make sense on paper. It may not make sense when you're looking at your bills. It may not make sense. Have you ever gone to the grocery store and you're sitting in your car beforehand? Okay, I've got this much to spend. It's really tight. It's not going to be enough. And you just... You just know that going in, and you pray, and you say, God, just lead me in my buying today. And you go in, you come out with a lot more food than you thought you were going to come out with. This was on sale, that was on sale, special on this, special on that. There's been times when Things have been really, really tight for us financially. I remember one time, yeah, I remember one time, I mean, things were so tight, bills were, you know, church bills were paid, and um, there wasn't the money for salaries that week. It just wasn't. And it's not like we had a big savings account. You know, we're new in ministry, kids, you know. And it's like, okay, Lord, you're going to have to take care of things because we just don't have it. And somebody came to the door, and, and th- th- this was like in, in mid, to, mid to late 80s. Somebody came to the door and said, the Lord just told me to give you this. Not somebody in our church. It was somebody else. And said, Lord, you said you needed this. Handed us a hundred bucks. Bought us groceries for the week. God has a way of meeting needs of his people. And when we are generous and we have a mindset of, you know, somehow there's always enough. There is. And the thing is, when you and I are generous... It unleashes generosity in others around us. It's an attractive quality. I mean, let's be honest. Let's have a show of hands. Who here would rather be known as a stingy person, a miser, a Scrooge? Anybody? Or would you rather be known as a generous person? Really, we want to be known as a generous person. It's, a, it, it's an attractive quality. When we see generosity in others, there's a desire for the same to see have the same quality in us. Being, in, being generous invites others to do the same, and God has a way of taking what we give, multiplying it, and bringing it back to us. Sometimes it comes back to us in a different form. We don't believe that, you know, you, you give $20 and you'll get 100 back. Or There's a lot of nonsense teaching in the church today. You know, and for so long, I did not want to talk about money in the church. I still don't really care to, but I need to if only to correct some of the false teaching out there that says, you know, you do this and then God's obligated to do that. No, God's not obligated to do anything more than save us. The thing is, he just, 
He's a generous God. And when we learn to be like him, and, and, and he has a way of taking care of us. He has a way of bringing it back to us. You know, and, and you know, not if we're taking count like, you know, okay, give this much. Okay, God, you got to do it. It doesn't work like that. But he gives back to us. He brings it back to us. He multiplies it so that our needs are met. There's a story in the Old Testament, 1 Kings chapter 17, uh, of a widow and a young son. There's severe drought in the land, and this woman had come to the end of herself, and, and, and you know, she had a, 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 a son, and, and she's, she's really, she's got nothing left. She has nothing left. She has a little bit of flour, a little bit of oil, and that's it. That's all she had to her name. And of all things, I mean, God has some nerve, don't you think? Of all things, the Lord told Elijah to go and, and, and you know, that, that he was sending him to her for a meal. Now, you know, God sends me to somebody for a meal. I want somebody that can, you know, cook a nice big, you know, roast or or, or, or at least a BLT or something like that, you know. But, but this lady had a little oil and a little flour, and that was it. And God was sending Elijah and said, she's going to take care of you. She's going to give you a meal. She's going to feed you. You ever had somebody stop by your house when, um, and you didn't have any food? Maybe you were out of town for a week and you just got home. Somebody stops by and you're sitting there talking and you want to, you know, you, you want to throw together a meal and you realize there really isn't anything there, at least not fit for company, right? I, uh, years ago, we had uh, a, a group of students from Singapore come into the church, loved them, awesome, awesome group, awesome people. And there's about 10 or 12 of them. They stopped by the house, came over one day, just kind of impromptu, and we're sitting there sharing, we're sitting there talking, all of a sudden you realize, you know, it's getting kind of mealtime, you know, and we're getting kind of hungry, and we're thinking, what do we have? Finally, you know, it got to the point where we had to do something. We said, okay, well, you know, everybody's talking about being hungry. Well, let's see what we have, and we really didn't have anything except for one thing, and let me tell you something. They had never had bologna before, <laughs> and they loved it. We had it plain, we had it fried, bologna sandwiches. They had never, we introduced them to bologna. I don't know how they still like us, but I mean, we introduced them to bologna. We hadn't, we didn't have anything. We didn't have anything, a meal. I mean, not for, for 10 or 12 people. Anyway, a side note. Anyway, Elijah comes to the woman and asks for a drink of water, and then he says this. He says, and... Bring me a bite of bread, too. So first it's a drink of water. Oh, and while you get that, bring me some bread. The woman told him, I only have a little bit of oil and flour left. I was just about to build a fire, bake some bread so my son and I could eat, and then we're going to die. No social programs to take care of them. Then they were going to die. See, there's a drought going on. And that's all they had. And that, that was her plan. She said, we have nothing else to live on. And then Elijah said this, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you've said. But make a little bread for me first. Not bake some for yourselves, break off a corner for me. 
Make a little bread for me first. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord God of Israel says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. Now that took a lot of faith. I think it took a lot of faith on Elijah's you know, part. Say, you know, that she wasn't going to punch him in the face or anything. Um, but, but it took a lot of faith on her part. First, feed Elijah. And then yourself. But she did as the prophet said. And because she obeyed God, God took care of her. And then every day as she went back to her jar of flour and her jug of oil, you know what? There was enough in there for that day. There was enough in there to bake some bread and to eat for that day. She saw a miracle of provision every day, and that continued until the drought was over. There was always enough because she was willing to give what she had. So there's a bag mindset. Never enough because our bag has holes in it. There's the basket mindset. When we give, God multiplies and there's enough. And one more, there's the barn mindset. The barn mindset says there's way more than enough. Way more than enough. Look at Proverbs 3. It says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. When we honor God first and foremost above everything else, when we put Him first all the time in everything, it's a lifestyle we're talking about, we never have to worry about not having enough again. See, God has an abundant supply. God never runs out. He has everything at His disposal. Now, the Bible does not promise that all believe, you know, if you, if you live right and, and do everything right, that, that you know, you're going to be rich and you're, you're going to be wealthy and have lots of money. The Bible just doesn't say that, and history doesn't play that out. But it does say that God is more than able to pour out His blessings and take care of us in every way, that there is never a shortage for God, and one who lives a generous lifestyle, day in, day out, just their heart, they have a heart of generosity, will reap a generous return. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says to the church at Corinth. Again, write down First or 2 Corinthians chapter 9. You can read this. I'm, I'm going to read, pick out parts of it and read it as we go. You can read it again at home. This was taking place, this was written on Paul's uh, uh, missionary journey. He was collecting, he was collecting an uh, offering. He was collecting money to help believers in Jerusalem because of a drought. There was a drought in Jerusalem. The believers were suffering. So Paul's on this missionary journey, and he's going around, and he's collecting you know, an offering to help out the other believers. And this is what he writes to the church at Corinth. I really don't need to write to you about this ministry for giving for the believers in Jerusalem. For I know how eager you are to help, and I've been boasting to the churches in Macedonia that you and Greece were ready to send an offering a year ago. 
It was, in fact, your enthusiasm, their heart, their willingness to give, their eagerness. It was, in fact, your enthusiasm that stirred up many of the Macedonian believers to begin giving. Now, remember what we said earlier about when, when we are generous, it stirs up generosity in others. This is an example of that, that, that uh, it was the Corinthians' enthusiasm stirred up the Macedonian believers to start giving. Verse 6, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. I mean, the, the, the attitude here is important. The motivation here is important. You know, we've all been in situations where we felt pressured into giving something. We might as well not give if that's the case where we feel pressured into it or manipulated into it. It says, don't give reluctantly. In other words, if you're going to regret it tomorrow, why bother? Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. There's the enough part. There is enough. He will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. That's the way more than enough. Plenty left over to share with others. And it's no, 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 it's, it's not just so we can sit back and get more stuff. It's so that we can bless others. The church is to be a blessing. When there's a crisis, when there's a when there's a uh, uh, whether it be an earthquake or a flood or or any kind of natural disaster, tornadoes, hurricanes, whatever it is, the church should be the first ones coming alongside and saying, "Here's some help. Here's what we can do." I remember Hurricane Katrina, I think I was talking about this recently, when Hurricane Katrina hit that Sunday, we took our entire Sunday morning offering and we encouraged people to give as much as they could. We took the entire Sunday morning offering and sent it to, to, uh, uh, sent it to Vineyard Mercy Mission to help churches, to help people that lost everything in Katrina, to help them put their lives back together, to help the relief effort, things simple things like water and food that, that people would need. The church should be at the forefront of this. That's why I love now that Vineyard has partnered with, um, partnered with Convoy of Hope, yes. Con I went blank there, sorry. Convoy of Hope. That, that, you know, we, we partner with them and because uh, they, they have the equipment, they have the, the, uh, the means and that, and we come alongside and help them as they go in to help where there's been areas of natural disasters and help people that are like just had everything ripped out from under them. Where was I? Verse 9, as the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their, their good news will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then, bread, and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide 
and he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Extravagant giving, extravagant generosity is contagious. It spreads. It says, yes, you will be rich, enriched in every way so that you can always be, genero- be generous. Generosity is a lifestyle. It's a way we live. And then it says, when, when, you, when you take your gifts to those who need them, this was like, in this case, the believers in Jerusalem who were suffering because of the drought, they will thank God. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met, and they will, be, they will joyfully express their thanks to God. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God for your generosity to them and to all the believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. Generosity is a sign of a true believer. And it says, and they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given you. Thank God for this gift, too wonderful for words. Write that down. Write down 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and read it when you get home. It describes the heart that every believer should have. So let's pause a minute. I'm going to close in just a minute, but let's pause and let's ask ourselves, what is my mindset? Which of these do I more closely align with? Do I have a bag mindset? Is my general attitude of there's never enough just can't get ahead, never enough. If that's the case, then ask yourself. And I'm not talking about a season. I'm talking about the, the, the big picture. Ask yourself, is God really first in every area of my life? Or do I have a basket mindset? Generous with what I have, and somehow, I don't know how it happens, but it always seems to be enough even if it's, you know, serving bologna to guests, even if it's, you know, just, just if, if it's bologna, it's bologna, I'm thankful, and I always have enough. I don't know what, how it happens, but it all works out somehow. Or do I have a barn mindset? Putting God first in every area, and somehow there always seems to be not only enough, but there seems to be more than enough. I just love to give. I've discovered I can't outgive God. When He directs me to share what I have, I don't debate it. I just say, Sure, Lord, it's all yours anyway. Whatever you want me to do, because I know, God, you're always going to take care of me. In fact, I'm looking for opportunities to be generous as the Lord directs. I am not talking about going away, you know, giving away the things that God has. You know, I've known people, they 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 get, uh, uh, they hear a message, and they just go ahead and give everything, and they say, okay, God, meet my needs, and he goes, well, I did, and you just gave it all away. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just our hearts. I've, I've said it often. As believers, we're to live with open hands. Anything that we have at any time, God can say, hey, I need you to use this over here. I need you to do this over here. And we do it. Which mindset do you have? Think about that while the worship team comes up. That's a cue for the worship team to come up.
Which mindset? Bag with holes in it. Basket where there's enough. Or a barn overflowing more than enough. And let me, let, let, let me clarify something. You, I, I, I referred to this before. You can have very little in your bank account, very little in your wallet, very little in this world's possessions, and have a barn mentality. Because what did we say earlier? It's not about how much we give. It's about our heart. It's about our heart. Now, let me ask you one more question. And um, take this one home with you and think about it. If you currently have a bag mentality or a basket mentality, mindset, what would it take to move toward a barn mindset? Let's be honest. What, what would it take? What would it take to move toward a barn mindset? And, and if you said, well, win the lottery, then you missed everything that I said today. Because it's not about what we have. It's about our heart. Talking about everything that we are and everything that we have. Jesus, it belongs to you. And I'm going to follow your direction. Let's pray. Father, I want to have a barn mindset. I know there's never a shortage with you, although sometimes I feel like it. Honestly, sometimes I think, where is it hiding? But Lord, I know that you always take care of your people. I'll admit too, Lord, that sometimes I like to hold on when you're telling me to let go. But that's not the way I want to be. So Lord, help me and help us to move into a barn mindset. Help us to live in total trust in you. Live with open hearts, open hands. Help us to grow in the area of generosity using your wisdom in our finances. Not talking about being careless, but being open and strategic. Help us to use your wisdom in our finances, always recognizing that, Lord, you're our source. Not our job, not someone else. You are our source. And you care for us. God, your word says that you so love the world that you gave your only son. That we could have life. 
You gave your only son to go to the cross, pay the price for my sin, for our sin, so that we could have a relationship with you. That if we believe in you, if we believe in your son, put our faith, our trust there, that we would have that relationship with you and we would have it forever. Help us to trust you, Lord, with every detail, every area. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to go ahead and sing one more song. And we always, at the end of every service, we uh, the ushers come and they pass the bags um, uh, for two reasons. One, if you give your tithe and offering uh, here at the in service, uh, that would be the time to do it. Uh, also, as... Uh, um, Sorry, my mind just went blank. Also, the green cards that you filled out earlier, if you would take those and just put them in the bag when it comes your way, uh, we will make sure they get to the right place. If you're visiting with us for the first time and you haven't had a chance to get to our uh, or see our welcome center out here just through these doors and to your left, there will be somebody there after service. Instead of your green card going in the bag, just take it there and hand it to them. We've got a gift, something we'd like to give you, something we'd like to bless you with, just to say, hey, we're really glad that you were here today. We're really glad that you could worship with us today and celebrate God's goodness with you, uh, with us today. So. We're going to go ahead and uh, uh, and worship team's going to lead us. If you if you prefer to give electronically, then uh, just go to our website, bloomingtonvineyard.com. You'll see a little icon in the little right-hand corner, uh, lower right-hand corner. Click on that. Somebody to pray for you uh, more after service, and come on up and let the team pray for you. Stretch out our hands. I want to leave you with this blessing. May the peace of the Lord Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness and protect you through the storm. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. God bless you. Go out and have a great week. See you Sunday.